Thank you. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for our salvation because of your sacrifice. We thank you for your forgiveness that's given us a place with you for all of eternity. Yes. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that someone spoke to us and, and showed us your word and showed us the path into salvation and the gospel. Thank you, Lord. But, Lord, there are billions, billions, Lord, who have never heard. And you've asked us to take your gospel to the world. Show us how, Lord. In your name. Amen. Um, I've come, I wasn't planning on coming this year, maybe at the end of this year, but I got word around Christmas that my father's got terminal cancer and dying. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to, I rushed home because I wanted to say goodbye. Uh, I led him to Christ and we prayed for salvation a few years ago and was able to baptize him, but I'm just not seeing what I want to see, the Spirit of Christ in him, like I want to see it. And so I come and, and I'm going to continue to be praying with him in person. Um, so that's what brought me here, and it's good to be here this morning. You know, Valley Bible Church, I love this. Twelve missionaries, twelve groups here. And Valley Bible Church is serious about world missions. They're supporting world missions. They've allowed me to come this morning and spend time with you. And uh, they understand the call. They understand the command and the mission of God for us to reach the world. And so, Valley, I say thank you. Let's start here in Matthew chapter 7. This has always been very important to me. I want to know why did God create humanity? Why did God create Kim Smith? What is my purpose? I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be turning to the right and turning to the left. I don't want the smoke and the confusion and the noise of the world to take me in a direction that doesn't, uh, isn't the place the Lord would have us to go. And so let's, for just a minute here, look at uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You know, I, I don't think this is just only talking about those who know Christ and those who don't know Christ. We have an opportunity to walk a wide road, a road that is not going to have significance for the kingdom of God. But the Lord says, I have a narrow road that he wants us to walk in. He goes on to say in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Amen. And many will say in that day, 
and he will say, I never knew you. We can be, we can be all busy about being moral and going to church and, and doing the things that, that the church does and yet not be in the will of God. We can cry, Lord, Lord. But maybe we haven't completely surrendered. I love the music this morning. The verse that we're focusing on is in Acts chapter 13. I don't want to walk that broad road that leads to destruction. I, don't, I want to shoot like an arrow. I want to be focused. I want to be used by the Lord for his kingdom. I want to know the assignment for me. I want to know the assignment of the church. And I like this. It, it makes it very clear in one verse, no confusion. In Acts chapter 13, verse 47, it says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. In our salvation and becoming a part of the kingdom of God and being a part of his family, we've been given responsibilities. We've been given assignment. The Lord has commanded us. He's commanded us to take salvation to the ends of the earth. Well, today, there's about 7,000 tribes that are completely unreached. That's about 3 billion people. That's about 42% of the world. The Lord has given this assignment to us over 2,000 years ago for us to take the gospel to the whole world. And it's not that hard. Because we have 900 churches for every one unreached tribe. We have 72,000 Christians for every one unreached tribe. And we've been given an assignment. We have our salvation. We have our eternity. And we've been assigned to take the gospel to the world. But 7,000 tribes, nations, tongues, people haven't heard. And it breaks my heart, and it's not correct. I want to tell you just a, a little bit about Word Sower. That's our organization in Liberia. It started um, back in 2004. I was a high school teacher, and the Lord put on my heart to go to the refugee camps in Ghana. And so, as he would have it, um, I started showing up into the refugee camps on my summer breaks uh, while I was a high school teacher. It was atrocity to humanity to go there and see the destruction. People were dying for no reason, no, no good reason. Fifty cents to a dollar's worth of medicine would have saved the life, and they lay there and die. And it just breaks my heart. 
So the Lord had me go and live in that camp after visiting for a few years, and I lived in that camp for a year, um, experienced the tragedy of their life. And then the Lord says, now it's time to go to Liberia. And he sent me deep into the rainforests of Liberia. Uh, and I've been there now for 13 years. When I started, I didn't go with the mission board. I didn't go with the denomination. The Lord says, hey, let's go. I'm a creator. Let's have some fun. And so I jumped on and, and then we went. I slept on a Muslim prayer mat for a few months, didn't, didn't even have the money for mattress. We walked from village to village. I'd gained some disciples in the refugee camps, and we all gathered together, and we would walk four, six, eight hours from village to village, taking the gospel to those who were lost, who didn't have opportunity, who the church wasn't going to. And the Lord added that up. You know, if you walk in the vision and obedience that the Lord gives you, in obedience, he's going to give you the next step. Amen? And the Lord developed the vision. It was like, and you know what a statewide forest fire is. California knows that. And I felt like I was walking in a statewide forest fire with a little shot glass of water what in the world am I going to do? Uh, they had just come out of 15 years of a horrendous uh, civil war. That's just as terrible as you can imagine. Um, but you know the Lord just calls us to show up. And uh, today we have indigenous missionary teams going into the unreached tribes. And West Africa, we have 393 unreached tribes of 147 million people. And we have become a hub, a training hub that trains and sends indigenous missionary teams into these unreached tribes. Liberia has between five and six unreached tribes. One tribe is, is coming to know the Lord a little bit. And today, we have indigenous missionary teams to every one of the unreached tribes of Liberia. And that's a huge blessing. Amen. And, you know, but that, we got 393 out there, and, and the Lord has now sent us into Guinea. He sent us into Sierra Leone, and he sent us into Ivory Coast with these indigenous missionary teams, and we go. Last year, we went on 1,600 missions. A mission is uh, getting on a motorbike and, and going and finding the lost and going into the villages. Also, last year, we showed the Jesus film to 36,000 people. The Jesus film's a phenomenal weapon, and we, you know, you can't win a war with a weapon. You've got to have many weapons, and the Jesus film is a powerful weapon for us. But to get the Jesus film to the people, it's not easy. It takes sacrifice. And we have an army of soldiers getting on these motorbikes and going to the remote regions that people don't want to go to. Um, we've all broken bones. We all have scars. 
we don't have x-ray machines and we don't have casts and doctors. We just hobble around and, and pray the bones line up and most of the time they do, and, but we continue because the Lord has commanded us. Amen? We have our salvation. 7,000 tribes don't have the opportunity. I want to show a short video that's going to kind of give you a picture of what it's like to take the Jesus film into a village. Now, our roads aren't like your roads. You have potholes, and you have potholes because of the size of pots. We have semi-truck holes. And, uh, you know, I got lots of pictures and videos, and, but I'm just going to show you a short clip of what it's like to take the gospel to the remote regions. Let's look at this video. We take our motorbikes, and on the back of the motorbike, we have a, uh, our equipment. You see why we don't have cars? This is Route 80, our national highway. If you notice, there's mud on the side of the box. We never can make it without wrecking. It's like ice. We live in the rain. We live in the mud. See, everybody else is parked. We go to the unreached tribes. We go to the people who have not heard. And then we'll go on to secondary roads. It can take us days to get to where these tribes and these villages We'll take the equipment as far as we can on motorbikes, then we park our bikes, and then we have to walk. is plentiful and it's worth the sacrifice. We will get there, set the equipment up. The word will have traveled through the villages around and they will walk 
maybe for an hour just to get there. They've never seen a big screen show, and it's an epic event. They've never um, heard a movie or any kind of a broadcast in their language. But we can watch the Jesus film, they can watch the Jesus film in their language on the big screen. Everybody comes. The demon-possessed come. And after every showing, there is salvation. There is baptism. And it's the beginning, the birth of a new church. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> That's our assignment. Amen. Nothing's too hard. Nothing's too dangerous. The risk is never too great. The assignment, the command of the Lord is that we have to take the gospel to every tribe, every people. Everyone needs the opportunity that we have had. Jesus sacrificed for this. And he's told us that we need to carry that on. Jesus said, as he was praying to the Father, he says, as you have sent me into the world, he says, I have sent these into the world. We carry the mission. We carry the assignment of the Lord. Amen. I want to tell you about this one tribe we went to. It's called the Tenemi Bonta tribe in Sierra Leone. When we got there, there were no Christians. According to Joshua Project, it's a, uh, an international organization that monitors what's going on in the tribes. There was no missionary activity. There was no Christians. There was no churches. And we raise up and send indigenous missionary teams to go into those tribes. And this is a resistant Muslim tribe. And, and I had no idea what I was sending this team into. I didn't know if I was going to hear reports of persecution and martyrdom. They didn't care. Amen. A few weeks later, I got a message from them. We've baptized 85 and we've started a church. They're, they're baptizing at least 10 a week. And, and they don't have to just go to the villages. We do that, but they're coming to us. And they're asking for salvation. And the Lord's already prepared them. All we had to do was show up. But let me tell you what breaks my heart. This tribe is thousands of years old. No Christians. No church presence. Why? Why? It, it was so easy just to walk in there and see these salvations and these baptisms and we got a little Bible school going and, and we're discipling these people. Why? Did it take 2,000 years for the church to come to them? I just can't imagine. 
I saw the atrocities in the refugee camps. I see spiritual atrocities. And it breaks my heart. It shouldn't be that way. We're a hub. We're training and sending indigenous missionary teams into the unreached tribes. I'm reminded of John chapter 6. Let's look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6, Jesus was teaching to a group and uh, he gave some hard teaching. In John chapter 6, in verse 27, he was telling the people, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures for eternal life. Amen. He's saying that to us. We shouldn't be working for food that spoils, but for food that, that endures and, and brings eternal life. I look at John chapter 15, and the Lord says in John chapter 15, he says, we are to produce fruit. And then he says, we are to produce fruit, much fruit. And then he says, we are to produce fruit that will last. Well, the fruit that will last isn't in our refrigerator. The fruit that will last is not our possessions. The fruit that will last is the eternal souls of the people. In Romans 10, it says that how can they know if we don't go to them? We have to go. It's the command of the Lord to the church to each one of us that we have to take the gospel to these 7,000 tribes of 42% of all tribes, 3 billion people. It's the assignment of the Lord for us. He says, don't work for food that spoils. You know the song, 10,000 years and then forevermore. Our life on earth is just, it's not even a blink. But we're running after the things of the world and, and so many of our idols, you know, Africa's full of idols, but America's not exempt. So many of our idols are security, retirement, pleasure, comfort, entertainment, safety. So many are ruled by fear. In Christ, there's no fear. Amen. And then in verse 38, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. That's the assignment. Amen? Is to do the will of the Lord. And we know his will, he's made it plain. Take the gospel to the world. Amen. And then he says something in verse 56. He says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. That's an interesting verse. A lot of the people said, Huh, not me. 
It says that uh, in verse 66, From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It was just too much. He says, this is crazy. Eat your flesh and drink your blood? Well, this was, this was a parable. This is talking about communion. It's talking about the unity that we are to have with our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Let's look at nine, uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 26. Luke 9, 23 to 26. Let's try to understand that verse in John chapter 6. He says in verse 23, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You know, salvation is a, a moment. But picking up the cross is a daily event. Every day we pick up the cross. The cross was, is a symbol of, you read in, uh, this morning, um, Romans 12. We are to be living sacrifices. What's a living sacrifice? We have died to the world and we are living for Christ alone. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. This is spoken for each of us. We need to do more than just cry, Lord, Lord. Amen? We need to do the will of our Father. He goes on to say, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose and forfeit his very self? Too much of our time, our money, and our heart is going for ourselves. You know where your treasure is because... Well, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. So forget the expense of house, car, and food. What are you spending your money on? Do a self-inventory. What's the last time you spent $1,000 on something or more? What was it for? And now you're dreaming and thinking of something else. What is that for? Is it selfishness? You know, where your heart is, that's where your money is. And I'm looking at these missionaries. You know, is your heart to send a thousand Bibles to the people who don't have Bibles? Where's your heart? Where's your faith? It's revealed in how you spend your money. And then he says, If anyone is ashamed of me in my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he goes, when he comes in his glory. Amen. So what's it mean? What's it look like to be ashamed of the Lord? 
Well, for me, it's just one word. Silence. Acts 1.8. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's for each of us. What is shame? Silence. Amen. I, I don't know what judgment's going to be like, but I can I think of things. And so here we got a line, and, and I'm waiting in line, and other people are waiting in line for their day of judgment. I'm sure it's not going to be like that, but anyway. Um, you know, so I'm watching, and somebody comes up, and, and the father turns to the son and says, This is my son. With him, I am well pleased. That's what the Father said to Jesus at his baptism. I want to hear that. Wouldn't that be beautiful? You're standing there in the judgment and the Father looks at his son and says, This here? This is my daughter. With her, I'm well pleased. But he says, If you're ashamed of me on earth, I will be ashamed of you in the day of judgment. And so, you know, here's what we don't want. It's our turn. We walk up there and... We don't want that. What is it to be ashamed? It's silence. You have your neighbors. You have your family. You have the people you work with. And if you're, if you're fruitful, you know what the Lord's going to do? A complete stranger will walk up to you. Amen? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We were reading in John about you must drink my blood and eat my flesh. That's a communion verse. And when I took communion for many, many years, this is what it was for me. It was a time of remembrance and thankfulness. And so I got the cup and I got the bread and I closed my eyes and I imagined Jesus on the cross and I said, oh Lord Jesus, I remember. Thank you. And I'd drink the juice and I'd eat the bread. And for me that was communion. But I discovered in these verses that communion's much, much, much more than that. Let me read. <clears throat> I have become all things to all men, that by all possible means... Oh, whoa, 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 I'm in the wrong place here, sorry. Well, let's go to chapter 10, 1 Corinthians, verse 16. You know, when I read this, i I got to put in a plug here. Um, Cincinnati Bengals, I'm Ohio, is going to the Super Bowl, first time in over 30 years. And I'm going to be watching, but I'm not going to be participating. Participating, i got to get on the field, and they would squish me like a little bug and not even know it. I'm not going to participate. I'm going to watch. But let's see what this verse says. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? 
Amen. See, taking communion is an oath of participation. It's not just remembrance and thankfulness. When I take that cup, I give my covenant oath, my most sincere promise to the Lord, Lord Jesus, as you bled, suffered, and died for the lost, I give you my covenant oath. I will bleed, I will die, I will suffer for the lost. I can't take communion in an unworthy manner. I can't take communion without that oath. We are called to participate. He bled, suffered, and died for the lost. We have our salvation. What are we running after? And when I eat the bread, I give him my covenant oath of participation. Lord God, as you suffered, bled, and died for the church, your body, my covenant oath is to participate. I will bleed, I will suffer, I will die for the lost. If I can't give that oath, I can't take communion. To me, it would be unworthy. The Lord has given the church an assignment. Amen? He's given us an assignment. We have our salvation. We have our eternity. We don't need to be running after our idols. Amen. In Romans chapter 10, He says in verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they haven't believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Amen. How are they going to know? How are they going to hear? We have to go. We have to speak. The Lord says every language, every tongue, every tribe will be represented in heaven. And then I will come. He's waiting. He's waiting for the obedient He's waiting for those who will go. We're all called to participate. There's many ways of participation. Prayer. All great, powerful works of God have always been the foundation of prayer. Participate financially. As I said, there's a dozen here. And Valley participates. And you participate with your offering. We need to continue to participate. We're going to stand before God in judgment. Amen? I pray these idols aren't stopping us. 
I pray these idols aren't getting in the way. I believe in this room right now, there are people that the Lord is speaking to, whispering, calling for you to go to the nations. I'm sure of that because that's his heart. It's all through the scripture. And, and this is a congregation of the scripture. Amen? And there's not a doubt in my mind, if you would listen, and maybe you've already heard, the call of the Lord. I was a high school teacher. The first time I went was 47 years old. I'll be 65 this year. I told my family, bury me where I die. I pray it will not be in America. Amen. Amen. I'm just overflowed with joy to be allowed to be called and to be in the assignment. And I know there are people here. I know there are people here. They say every great journey starts with the first step. Today, I don't think there's a missionary on earth. I don't think there's a missionary on earth that hasn't done a short-term mission trip. And Valley has been sending short-term mission teams for a long time. They've sent three to us in Liberia. I don't believe today that there is any missionary who hasn't first taken that step of sacrifice and faith and love to go on a mission trip. There's already people here that have voiced that they want to go to Liberia. They want to participate. But you know what? We're not the only place. Amen? We got a dozen here. Retirement. What do most people think about when they think about retirement? You know, they think about, oh, I, I, I want to go to Florida. I, I want to I travel. I, I, I. <laughs> My dream is I. But the Lord says, no, 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 no. Jesus said to the Father, not my will, but your will be done. I'm retirement age. There's no retirement. Work while it is day because night is coming. Amen? You, you preparing for retirement. You don't even have to wait for retirement. I went at 47. I just threw it all away. Amen? You've got skills. You've got wisdom. You've got maturity. You have so much to offer. This should be just one of the greatest times in your life for service to the kingdom. Forget retirement, I, and thank retirement, your will, Lord. Amen? I'll tell you a story. I got a minute or two here. You know, and don't think you're not prepared. I had this guy. We, we have uh, people come and we train Americans, Westerners, how to be missionaries. 
and they will come and spend three months, seven months, ten months, a couple years with us. And once they've trained, then the Lord says, let me see, let me see, uh, there's a tribe over there. Amen. So here comes this kid, 19 years old, suburbanite, sheltered, naive, doesn't know his head from a hole in the ground. He shows up. And uh, I send him out with a team. Uh, we never have enough bikes. You know, I, it's like a baton. As soon as the bike goes in, it goes back out. Um, so we drop him and a couple librarians off at this trail. And we'll say, we'll come back tonight. And you got five, uh, five villages to go to. Come back. I asked him, well, how'd it go? And he said, well, we walked a lot. You know, this, this is a kid. And he had a coconut in his hand between villages. And, and he saw this guy with a machete. He said, hey, hey, can you open my coconut? He was thirsty. And he told him about Christ. Right then and there, that man accepted Christ. But you don't even know who this man was. Because he was the demonic head of that region. And when I heard this, and remember he said, well, we walked a lot. He had no idea what he had done. And when I heard about it, the next day we sent a team to go find the guy. And this is like the, when Jesus healed the man and the demons run into the pigs. And what's the first thing that man did? He went and told his family and the Decapolis. That was a city of ten cities. When we sent the motorbike to find this, he was a violent, violent, evil, demonic, spiritual leader of the region. He was going from house to house, speaking the gospel. But what do you see? You are ready. You are prepared. All he had to do was show up because the Holy Spirit had already prepared him for salvation. We just needed somebody to show up. We find that everywhere we go. We brought him back, cast out a few demons. He's a man of the Lord now. My time is finished. Let me pray. Lord God. May we not walk the broad road. May we discard our idols. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Lord, there's people here. And we're all called to participate. Show us what you would have us to do. In your name we pray. Amen.